This is a highlight of our week. Yes. And Brother Robert just gave us a good report that you were able to get a roof on your building. And uh, th that's, a <laughs> that's a great praise to God, and we're glad that uh, you don't have water running into your house. Um, we, we, uh, our heart longs to be with you, and so we're glad to see you through all, the, all this distance. Well, if uh, would you want to have some prayer and singing, or any words you would want to say to us? Okay, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now, to your throne of grace and mercy. We come in a, with a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, your, your mercy to us is just overwhelming. We have new mercy every day, yes. and you take care of us so well. Amen. Lord, we, we just uh, come with our hearts full of thanksgiving for all the blessings you've given to us. Every single one of us has had things that only you could have done to to rescue us and deliver us and save us. Lord, we uh, ask for a blessing on this fellowship here in Joplin and also in the Word of Truth Fellowship in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. Mm -hmm. Lord, you, you know what our needs are. Yes. And Lord, we know the Holy Spirit is praying with words that can't be uttered. And he, we know that Jesus is right now making intercession for us. Lord, what we need, that's what we want. We don't want any distractions. We want to serve you with our whole heart, following after you. And Lord, our need is to be with you and to know you more than it is to have physical things. But Lord, you know that in this life we need physical things. And Lord, we, we know that you'll provide for us. So our, our heart is to seek after you, to seek for righteousness and seek for your kingdom and to not worry about these other things. Well, Lord, we, you said for us to ask. So we do ask that you would provide what we need. These are times here in the United States where there's a, a lot of uncertainty and fear and people just uh, having great anxiety. So, Lord, you knew we needed peace and you gave us peace and you gave us wisdom Lord, we pray for the church in Nairobi. Lord, we pray that you will build them up in the faith, that they will be strengthened. Yes. We pray that you will you will raise up leaders from in the congregation, that more people would come to hear about you and have faith in you and repent and be baptized. Yes. Lord, we pray that you will raise up leaders who would shepherd the flock. We pray that for Brother David and Brother Obadiah, as they're going out and ministering to people, that you would the people there going to, that they would be able to hear and understand and be saved. Lord, whatever needs they have, we pray that you will meet those needs, the physical needs. And also we pray for their spirits, that you give them strength and endurance and patience to continue on in these times. So Lord, we come to you, we dedicate this time to you, and we, uh, we just ask 
your blessing on us as we serve you. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Well, I am looking forward to speaking to you this morning, this evening. I want to speak to you from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 39. And Hebrews 10, 35 through 39 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We are in a time when everything is conspiring against us to destroy our faith, to get us to take our eyes off Jesus, to turn off the path. Mm-hmm. And we have we have confidence in Jesus. He's the one Amen. who is leading us. He's the one who died for our sins. But everything is going against us. Yeah. Right now in the United States, we're experiencing a time when they're uh, telling people you can't meet in groups larger than ten. Mm-hmm. Well, today there's... Five of us right now in this building. Yeah. And we're, there's a, it's unnatural not to be able to shake hands with people or to give someone a hug or to stand close to them and speak to them. So we're wanting to stop the spread of this virus, but that, but the president and the governor are telling people not to meet and it's a cost, causing a suspicion amongst people. It's actually causing division. There's people in New York City, which is in the northeast part of our country, where there's a lot of people that are very, very sick, and many people are dying from this disease. I think over 3,500 people, I'm not sure the numbers. So people traveling from New York down to the southern part of our country are being met with hostility and anger and signs saying, go back home, 
and with, with uh, uh, slurs and uh, this whole thing is not producing peace. It's producing anxiety and division and suspicion and hostility and fear. Well, that's not from God. There is no division in the body of Christ. Now, we are, we have a little bit more separation between us physically here in this building and people we meet as we're going shopping or working. But right now, uh, I, I have a business that is, uh, I work on pianos. I tune and repair pianos. And it's not a really high need work. If I was working in a, producing some, something that was necessary for the survival of our, of our country or producing groceries or delivering things, that would be different. So my work is basically shut down right now. Which is okay. God has provided for us. But in all these circumstances, in the United States, there's many people who are having to make a decision. What am I going to do for work? My business is shut down. I, some people may have people that are working for them they have to pay. What are you going to do? Well, the answer is, cast not away your confidence. Yes. Our confidence is not in this life. Our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you put your eyes on this life, you will be discouraged and panic and have fear. And there will be conflict. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus... It says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This is a long-term race. This life continues day after day. You might think, well, I, I ran a good race today. Well, what about tomorrow? you got to get up and run the race again. Yesterday, you did a good job putting away sin and crucifying the flesh. Now, today, you have to do it all over again. This is a long-term thing. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because you know that you will get a reward if you keep your eyes on Jesus. You live by faith every day. There is a reward. Don't give any of this up. You have need of patience. You need it, and God will give it to you. It's a, it's a constant enduring in spite of any conflict or any tribulation. And no illness can separate you from God or the love of God. There's no government that can. Another governments that are trying to kill Christians and shut down churches. But no government, no, uh, nobody in authority can keep you away from God. And that's our confidence is in God, not in a physical person. You can't put your trust in a, a governmental leader, although we trust them to make good decisions for our country. That's not where our trust is. Our trust is in God. Now we are looking for the Lord Jesus Christ to return, and He's bringing His reward with Him. Yes. And it, it says it's just a little while. When your parents and your grandparents, I don't know about your family history, but if you had parents who were believers in Christ, this was true to them. Just a little while. Yes. It was true for Paul. Just a little while. Yes. We don't know what the little while is in God's timetable. That's right. 
To us, it seems like a really long time. When you're a child and you think, well, you got a long life ahead of you. It's still just a little while. Well, then what if you're reaching towards the end of your life and days are just whizzing by so fast and everything is... Uh, you have all this... Uh, you realize there's not much time left. It's still just a little while. Don't give up your confidence. Amen. Keep looking for Him to return. Now here's what it says in verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. Every decision you make is based on your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. You trust in Him. And because of that, your actions flow from the faith that you have. It's not just a faith that you say, well, I believe these doctrines. Here's this creed, I believe. I believe this statement of faith. No, that's not it. It may be good to have some, to know what it is that you believe. But our faith is not in a piece of paper that says, well, I believe this and this and this. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. And if you make your decisions, it's a constant, moment by moment, faith in Christ. And you live by that. Jesus Christ is our life. Here's what it says, though. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That would be a warning. That's a warning to me. If I draw back, God will not have any pleasure in me. Now, God is drawing us towards Him. But we are drawing towards Him. We are going to Him. I want God to be pleased with me. The only way God can be pleased with me in any way is because I am in Christ. Amen. When we put faith in Christ and we repented from our sins and we were baptized into Him, that's why we're God is pleased with us. Amen. And when we're in Christ making forward progress, God's pleased with that. Amen. But is God going to be pleased if we... Stop. We, we're not living righteously anymore. We're making decisions out of uh, panic or fear or any other thing other than faith in Christ. God is only pleased with us when we are following Him full-heartedly. If a person... What, what if I say, well, yes, I believe, but my heart is not right with God. God wouldn't be pleased with that. I encourage us. Live by faith. Every decision you make is by faith. If it's not from faith, it's sin. Here's, a, here's what it says. Verse 39, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. What happens if you draw back? The end result of drawing back from God is you could be drawn back all the way to perdition. Amen. There is a warning there's two destinations. There's either heaven for the righteous through faith in Christ. Not my own righteousness, but God's righteousness that was given to me by faith. But the other destination is for people who don't believe is hell, a lake of fire, right. eternal torment. And that would be a terrible, a terrible destination. I urge you, to be among those who live by faith and draw forward to God, not among those who draw back unto perdition. And because we know the terror of God, we warn people. 
about what their destination is. If someone's in sin, then you want to warn them. There is a prophet in the Old Testament named Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 18, he was warning people about their sin. And here's what he says. uh, Verse 31, Ezekiel 18, 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. God doesn't want anyone to die. He doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell. He wants, he, he would like for everyone to come to him in heaven and in this life come to him. God doesn't have any pleasure in the death of the wicked. He has delight when people turn to faith in him and they live. He's the one who can make dead people alive and he made you alive and he made me alive. God has pleasure in that. He doesn't have pleasure in the death of the wicked. And at the moment, I can't remember the scripture, but it's in Ezekiel, where Ezekiel was a watchman to warn people. Now, because we know the destination of the wicked is to go to hell, we want to warn them. It says, otherwise their blood will be on our hands. So I'm, for myself, I need more boldness, and you may too. If we pray and ask God for boldness and we're living by faith, He will give us the boldness and the opportunity to witness to people. So my encouragement to you today is to live by faith, to keep your confidence. Don't let anything shake you. There will be the opportunity to maybe put your faith in a person like a governmental leader. We have... uh, preachers and pastors and elders and deacons and people. God set these people in the church and we we trust them, but our faith is not in a person because sooner or later every person will fail you. But Jesus will never fail you. Our faith is in Him. We Now the people that God has put in the church as leaders, we need to support them with prayer. And uh, But Lord... Uh, please give me more boldness. Mm-hmm. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You that in the midst of whatever storm of life is going on, that You are there mm-hmm. holding us in Your hand and You're not going to let us go. Amen. Thank You that we have an anchor to Jesus Christ. And if we're anchored to Him, we'll have peace in this life in the midst of any kind of, any kind of calamity. Mm-hmm. Lord, You know our needs. And Lord, we ask that... You would meet those and we trust in You. Lord, I know I need more boldness. Lord, I know, I know that I uh, sometimes make decisions not based on faith. Lord, for myself, I ask that I would not ever do that again. Lord, I know that You will provide and You are good and always gracious and merciful. Lord, I'm asking that You would make me a watchman to warn people about the destination if they're not following you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be encouraging to our brothers that there would be no division in the body of Christ, that we would encourage one another. There would be the spirit of unity from you. 
the spirit of love and peace. It flows from the spirit in us, the fruit that it bears. So Lord, our desire is to bear fruit to righteousness and holiness and to seek after you with our whole heart. Lord, I pray for the brethren in, in Kenya that they would be encouraged, that they would live lives of holiness and righteousness. Lord, we can expect tribulation in this life. Lord, I pray that nothing would stop us from seeking you. And we know that nothing can keep us from you and from your love. Lord, this is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Well, it's a good thing to know that if you you are a part of the us, see the kingdom of God, He brings you in to fellowship with His Son and you become a part of the body of Christ. And He says, God has not appointed us to wrath, right? No. Not to those who believe. He hasn't appointed us to wrath, but to obtain everlasting life. So see, we're we're in a race. We're in a race and we're making progress as we... Focus on Christ as we determine in ourselves that we're not going to walk in the flesh anymore. We're going to walk in the Spirit. Then God gives us the resources that we need. Now, there's not any word in the Scriptures that promises absolute peace and quietness in this world. See, this is the thing. We do have it in Christ, though. As you rise up in the Spirit and you dwell in the heavenly places, even in the middle of a torment down here, you can have peace with God. Now that's what we're talking about. Is that God is able to keep you from falling. Now today I want to mention a few things about the prayer of faith. Um, you know, it says in James 5.15, And the prayer of faith shall doesn't say might, doesn't say could, shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. doesn't say will raise him up, says the Lord will raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, I'm glad this scripture is in the Bible, because this tells us what kind of God we have. This, we have a God that is forward to save. He is forward to forgive sins. And He is forward to lift up those that are in trouble. This is just the way our God is. Now, the question is, isn't, is God able? And we'll see this as we go through this. It isn't, is God able? The question is, is, are we believing in the God who can do all things? So see, and we'll see that the prayer of faith isn't what some people teach. See, the, uh, technically, there's only one place in all the Bible that it says the prayer of faith, and it's I just read it. That's it. So other times, throughout the whole scriptures, those who were those who had faith prayed, and God answered them. So that, in a nutshell, is what the prayer of faith is. When you pray, believing that God's able to do it, and that you need it, and that you want Him to do it, that is the prayer of faith. This isn't some magical prayer that you could pray and then if you're, this is, this is a, see, all prayer that's mixed with faith is a prayer of faith. So anyway, let's just look at this. Now Catholicism 
seizes on, on part of this text. And we'll see that different groups, they've seized on a part that they thought was acceptable for their denomination or their religion. And they, this is what they, they seize on. If they have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, this is a large part of when a priest comes and you're close to death and you're going to die, they'll pray this, what they think is a prayer of faith. In other words, they can pray over you, and if you've committed sins, it's gone. It's like magic. You don't even have to be involved in it. You could be passed out, or maybe even dead. And a priest could come and pray for you, and then you're in heaven. That's not what this prayer is. That's not what he's talking about with this prayer. See, they've adapted it. They've taken something that God said. They've pulled it out of this context, and they've adapted it to their own doctrines, right? Now, a sacrament, which they called the extreme unction, see, these words are not in the Bible. The, the, the words that they use are not Scripture. But see, they've employed something that they think is good, and they've employed it in an evil way. They use it not to heal the sick, as the text says. The text says, if anyone's sick, let him call for the elders, right? That's what it says. And so when you start misusing Scripture, you pull it out of context and you start applying it in ways that it was never applied in the Scriptures, well, you're on you're on uh, bad ground, actually. See, God, this is God's Word. We don't want to mess with God's Word in, in, a, in a way that's not acceptable. Now, the way that they use it actually runs counter to Scripture. So, in other words, if a person knows the Scripture and knows God, they won't ever use this text in the way that they've employed it. They won't do that. And so, see, this is a very dangerous thing. When a person takes Scripture, you can twist Scripture just about any way you want to. The problem is is that you're going to have to pay for it. There is a there is an end coming. So see, as you walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will never lead a person to misuse Scripture. The Holy Spirit will open it up so you can understand it. See, what we're reading about the prayer of faith, this is a very precious thing. To know that when you come to God and you pray in faith, believing that He will do the things you ask. Now, some people say, well, I've done that, but I didn't get the, the answer. Well, we'll see. You did get an answer. Sometimes the answer is no. That's what Paul got, right? Paul got an answer and it was no. The last rites. I know you've heard of this. The last rites. The anointing of the sick has often been postponed until someone is at the point of death. See, the the way is a person close to death, they'll give them the last rites. This is like a mysterious prayer, right? Where you can't find this in the Bible anywhere. That that they wait, and as soon as they think you're slipping on to the next world, they'll pray this prayer and then. You won't be in purgatory. Whatever that is. That's not in the scriptures either. No. I mean, when you, t- when you look at Lazarus, the account Jesus told about Lazarus and the rich man, he wasn't talking about purgatory. <laughs> he was talking about a place of confinement until Jesus comes back again. But he didn't call it purgatory. And you couldn't pray somebody out of it because the rich man, remember, he wanted, he wanted, Lazarus to come and give him some some water, and he said, "No, not so. They, you can't pass." Yeah. 
from the one side to the other side. There's a great gulf fixed. See, the, the, the scriptures are very clear about what Jesus, when he told the story, it, it presented something that was sound. It was reality. And now when you start messing with that, well, that could end up being you. In other words, you wouldn't understand how to pray. If you don't know the scriptures, you don't know how to pray. Well, uh, the last rites. So the last rites are the anointing of the sick. And it's uh, like you said, sometimes it's been postponed until someone's really close to death. Now, in, in spite of the fact that all celebrations of the sacrament, the liturgy prays for recovery of the health, of the sick person, as if that would be conducive to a salvation. In other words, when they do the last rites, they're not really, they're not expecting you to live. They're expecting to, to, to magically take your sins away to where God will receive you. But see, nowhere in the scriptures is the gospel so presented as though somebody else could believe for you. We have to believe. And, and a person who is unconscious, a person who's not even uh, awake at the time, can't profess faith. So see, one, a reason why I'm bringing this up is because this is not what the prayer of faith is. The Churches of Christ denomination has also fabricated their own version of what this text most probably means. Now, their answer is nothing less than they dismiss it altogether. See, the Church of Christ, they teach that this practice ended when the last apostle died. There is no more miracles. This is an official stance of the churches of Christ. They do not believe that the age of miracles is today. Well, if that's the case, we're in big trouble, brethren. We're in big trouble because we're we're right in the middle of a global pandemic. And if people believe that miracles are gone, well... I guess they have to do it for themselves, right? But see, the fact is, is that it's just wrong. What they believe is just wrong. And so they don't really deal a lot with this text because they don't even believe it's true. They don't believe it's valid in our time. So they don't really feel the need to make any contemporary application. See, as soon as you dis- disregard the scripture and you push it out of your mind, you, it has no more power. It doesn't can't work in you. The fact is that what James is talking about is something that's real. And it's something that God has ordained in order for his people to come to him and let their request be made known, expecting that God's going to give an answer, right? So we don't want to disregard any parts of Scripture. And I'm not bringing these different denominations up to slander them. I'm telling you this is what they teach. We don't want to, we don't want to give ear and credence is something that's false. The problem with the theo- with this theology is that it removes God from the picture entirely. It just takes your mind to where God doesn't even do anything like this anymore. Well, the fact is that God hasn't changed, right? God cannot change. And so if God can't change then how could something that he said or something that he initiated change? So see, it's, it's faulty doctrine and it needs to be said so. If, if they're right, then faith has no relevance in our world today. Because see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible. 
So if you, the prayer of faith, if it's void because the age of miracles is gone, well then our faith is void. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't mean anything to God. But see, it's just a lie. And it's something that we want to be stringently against anything that makes God out to be weaker. See, God's not weak. Our perception of Him should not be that in some areas He can't do what we ask. Now, the charismatic community, they've also got an opinion on this scripture. One that my opinion, in my opinion, it, it, it really, it stinks too much of the carnal nature. In other words, what the charismatic has come up with actually will teach you bad things about this very thing. Even though it's packaged up and sold as the most spiritual of all doctrines, the health and wealth doctrine is an absolute lie. It, it will take people and it will make them covetous. They're coveting things that God never said He would give them and they're, they lose their faith if they don't get it. They just won't think that they must not have any faith. If they don't, if they're not rich and have a lot of houses and then I guess they just must not have a really strong faith. That he fasted on this prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up portion of this text. They are famously known for preaching the health and wealth doctrine, the doctrine that teaches that if you just have enough faith. See, in other words, if you pray and you don't get it, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Well, I don't believe that's true. I don't believe the scripture paints faith in that way. If you have faith, then you have faith. <laughs> if you don't, well, then you need to get it. But see, nowhere in the Scriptures does having faith guarantee you're going to have a lot of wealth. It just doesn't, it isn't there. And people who try to mix this together, they've actually neutralized the Gospel. They've neutralized the effectiveness of faith because they've tied it to a bunch of earthly goods, earthly desires. Now, some people teach that um, that they will sow into your ministry, making you a very wealthy person. Now, these cults teach that the power to heal and to gain wealth lies in the tongues of men. In other words, they can say to you, be rich, and you can just overnight become wealthy. Or they can say to the storm, go away, and the storm just goes away. Or they can say to those in the hospital that are on death their deathbed, just rise up and walk and they'll just rise. The only problem is that none of them can actually do it. That's the problem. See, the thing is, is that all of the things are pretending to have, Jesus already has. God can already raise the sick. Right? He can do it. So the question is, is do you believe He can do it? Not the question is, do you have the power to do it? I'll tell you right now, you don't have the power to do it. But Jesus does have the power to do it. And as you believe in Him and come to Him and let your requests made known to Him, praise God, He'll do what's right. Because yes. see, really, we don't have enough wisdom to be able to make these kinds of decisions. How about if, okay, let's say I did have the power to take the storm and move it over here. Now i got to be responsible for every person that that storm kills because I moved it over there. See, people don't think this out too, too clearly. They, they, they want something, one that they can't have, 
And so they pretend that they have it. The question is, is will God honor this kind of deception? I don't believe, you know, I think a person could repent from it, but before they can repent of it, they have to see it for what it is. This is a false doctrine. Even though the term prayer of faith is is one of the, the common terms used by this group, there's not much knowledge of what it actually means to pray a prayer of faith. Actually, it's a prayer prayer of their lust. It's what they want. That's what they pray. And then they expect God to just give them whatever they want. Well, the results produced from these teachings speak for themselves. Many self-declared faith healers have led the masses of people to conclude that the faith of God has is given them is not really sufficient because they don't get what they want. See, the, the, the end of this kind of teaching is that even if you believe it with all your heart, I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw myself into this faith healing thing. The only problem is is that you can't heal everybody you pray for. You don't have the power. So, what happens if a person is sincere? They have to they have to come to some kind of realization that I must not have the ability to pray this prayer. The fact is, is that every single person that's following Christ and walking in the Spirit and living for Jesus can pray the prayer of faith. It's a prayer that you believe Jesus is capable of, of, of answering. And when he, let's say that he doesn't answer it the way you think, well now you've learned something about Jesus. You've seen something about him that you didn't know before that see, Jesus knows what the best thing is. He knows what the right thing is. So the fact that it didn't get answered the way you thought wasn't mean you were not unsuccessful. It's like saying Jesus is unsuccessful. It, it means that Jesus is showing you there's a better way. Not everybody in the scripture got healed. Now these fake faith healers never mention, they never one time have I heard them mention that this is only in the scriptures one time. Why? Because they've taken something that, 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 that it's just in there one time and they've blown it into a whole doctrine, a whole industry is back behind the faith healers. Now, I'm not against people being healed by faith. I think every person that's healed is by faith. The fact is, is that when you manipulate any doctrine in scriptures, it will produce corruption. That's what it'll do. It'll, it, it, people will start depending more on you than on Jesus. We don't want that. Many speak as though God has exalted this prayer above all other aspects of living by faith. That the prayer of faith is like way up here. And if you really try, if you really, then you might at some point in time in the future get to where you can pray this prayer. Brother, if you're in Christ right now, you can, every time you pray in faith, you've prayed the prayer of faith. Now, any doctrine that makes your wealth and your health or your social status the most important thing is not from God. Fact is, brother, we're going to have to leave this world one of these days. We're going to have to succumb to death unless Jesus shows up. At that point in time, if he does show up, we'll be translated, right? We'll be transformed into his image, which is kind of the same as death. The thing is this. Is that this, Jesus didn't put this in the scriptures. God didn't put this in the scriptures so we would be confused. It's so we would be encouraged. 
So I mean, this isn't put in the scripture so we would be disappointed. Like, why can't I pray the prayer of faith? But see, any doctrine that paints it like that and you go home feeling cast down because you can't pray this is not a right doctrine. We are all going to leave everything in this world behind. Every single one of us. You didn't bring anything in and you're not going to bring anything out. Now, knowing that, you see, this doctrine doesn't have the power that it would have. If you just knew that much, that I'm going to have to give everything up so everything can't be the most important thing, right? Everything you can have in this world, as good as it may be, is going to end. And um, yes. praise God for that. Who would want to bring something from this world into the eternal realm? The man who thought he had enough substance. Remember in the Scriptures? He thought he had enough. He said, i got so much, I'm going to build bigger barns. <laughs> yeah. I'll build some big, big barns. That way I can get all my stuff in there. Well, only one problem. He didn't have any idea that he was going to die that same night. That same night. So everything he had, all everything he put himself into was going to disappear in one moment. So the fact is, is if you are walking in the Spirit and you love Jesus with all your heart and you're living for Him, you have every single thing you need for life and godliness. And so God's merciful. He's kind. So as you live in this world, it may may not seem like you have enough, but you trust in Him and you'll find out it's exactly what you needed. God gives us perspective, which is what we need. We need perspective when we talk about this. We need to know that, see, God isn't like some old miserly guide up there withholding things from His people. No, He's gracious, He's kind, and He's giving to us the things that we need. So sometimes we may not be able to calculate properly the things that we need. We ask Him for something, and He withholds it. Well, if you really examine it, and and you you trust in him you'll find sometime either today or in the future that it wasn't the right thing anyway in other words god has god's purpose is always right sometimes our perception of it may be clouded or sometimes he's going to see if you really want it bad enough will you keep asking do do you believe that that what he's give is giving is um is the best thing? Because see, God always answers every prayer. Every single prayer is answered. The question is, is can you receive the answer? Lay not up for yourself. This is, this is God's perspective. Lay not up for yourself treasures on upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, you know, in this perspective, what you do in Christ matters the most. As you lay up treasures in heaven, which means that there, there are things that God, that you're doing, walking in the Spirit. You're, you're, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you. See, these things are all treasures. Now, as you see something new about God, as, as, as you're digging to the Scriptures and, and you see it, He gives your understanding and you see it. You just laid up treasure in heaven. It's there now. It's laid up. And you know, as you get older, 
you find that, that there are some things you're forgetting. There are some things that you saw them clearly at one time. They were real and, and, they, and you saw them. But now they're cloudy. They, they're not as firm in your understanding, in your mind. But you know what? You laid them up. They're there. Now when you die and you leave your body and you, you go to be with the Lord, every single thing God's ever shown you is there. You laid up treasure. There isn't, there isn't anything in this world that we can take with us. But everything that we have in Christ is there. We can, we, we'll move in to that, that, <laughs> I tell you this, what, this is a great treasure. The, the treasures of the earth, they get, they, what they, they, they rust. They get old. I don't care what kind of treasure it is. Eventually, it gets old. You may have pursued it with all your might at one time. But eventually, you stopped. Because the treasures of the earth, they don't satisfy your soul. But the treasures of heaven, well, they're eternal and they'll be waiting for you. The book of James was written by James, the brother of Jesus. And it was written sometime before AD 62 when he was martyred, right? Obviously. Jerusalem was a place he wrote it and he was writing to a church that had been scattered abroad, many of which had been moved away from the faith. This James is a very difficult book to read if you're a believer. That, 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 in other words, that faith, people who had faith at one time had moved so far away. They were exalting the rich people. Remember they come in? They had the high seats. The poor people, you just like sat down underneath them. This is not the kingdom of God. It's not like this. The kingdom of God, those who have faith and are pressing in and love Jesus, they're the highest, not the most wealthy of this world. You notice that James didn't... Didn't just talk about healing. That is the only thing that James talked about. James said this in James one twenty seven: Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, that everyone should be healed. No, that's not what he said. That's not what James said. He says to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from this world. Now that's pure religion. In other words, see, religion all by itself can become complicated. If it's just a bunch of procedures you're following, well, it really doesn't have any power and has no satisfaction. But see, when you can understand what the gospel is producing in people, when you see that Christ is in you, leading you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to pick up your cross every day and follow Jesus, because there's an end of faith, right? faith just doesn't heal you. It keeps you and it provokes you to love God more than this present evil world. And in the end, faith will have saved you. Your faith in God. Now, when you get there, you won't need faith anymore, right? Faith is just for this while we're here. When we can see Him face to face, we won't need faith to believe He's real. We'll be with Him. But until then... Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is bringing you an awareness of things that are there. And and if you believe it, if you live by faith, 
you'll cast off every single thing that doesn't end up being relevant in heaven. And it's a great thing. See, God's given us faith, so we'll believe. Yeah, I say, well, if people will say, well, I have faith, but then they live like the world. They don't believe. You know, saying you have faith and having it is two different things. If all the faith is the only thing you can say about faith is that I've got it, you don't know what it is. Because faith will cause you to sacrifice things that otherwise you wouldn't do. But by faith, if you, when you see by faith that whatever it is is getting in the way of believing, You'll cast it off. James is a, gives us a lot of good perspectives. Pure religion. I'm not going to go through all this today because I've got quite a few pages. I'm just going to say a few more things and I'll pick this up again next time. James 2.1 My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respects of person. Now, you know... When a person respects people more than they respect Jesus, this always happens. It always happens. It's a natural thing. See, there are some people that you're naturally drawn to. It's just the way it is. We All of us have this body that's of this earth, earthy. And it has, it has commonality with other people. Some people, not so. Some people, it's just like... That person just grates against me. He says, don't have your faith like that. When you come into the church, don't be like having preferences for people that you're like buddies with. Don't do that. Why? Because the person who you may think is not the highest or the best person, if you get close to them, you may find they edify you more than anybody else. See, the thing is, faith is not like that. And we come into the church, we are members one of another. And so we don't want to have respect to persons. See, faith will, will enable us to, to jump over that hurdle. To where we, we, we don't look at people the same way. Faith is able to do that. Could it be possible to have the kind of faith that can move mountains and still have respect of persons? See, the thing is this is that which is better for you to be able to, to move a mountain or to actually have respect for people who in your mind are of a lower degree than yourself? See, faith will encourage us and enable us to say, if they're in Christ, I will accept them, no matter what. You see that how, that how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. That's what it says. Can a person have an extraordinary faith and not have the works to be justified by God? Is it possible? And if so, then why do some teach that if you have prayed to God for healing and you're not healed, then the problem is with your faith? You see, to me, that sounds very strange. If for somebody to pray that God would heal them and they're not healed and that somebody would tell them, it's just because you don't have faith. You prayed to God. That proved you had faith. You, you, you submitted yourself to, to what he said, let your requests to be made known. And you did. And you weren't, you weren't healed. And so now for someone to come and say, well, it's because you didn't have faith. Now that's the devil. Why? Because he's, the devil is attempting to even, he knows you're not healed. The, hell, the devil knows that. But now you're going to be absolutely discouraged when the elder comes and says, 
you don't have enough faith. Now see, Jesus is the author of faith. If he gave it to you and you used it, it's always profitable. Sometimes the answer is no. Could it actually be? Could it be that when we pray believing, we really believe that God can do it, but the answer is no. Could it be because God determined that we shouldn't have it? Now, which one are you going to believe? You're going to believe God who's in heaven and is control of everything or someone down here that just misunderstands your faith. The Apostle Paul asked for healing three times and God's answer was no. Now, did Paul not have faith? Would anyone stand in Paul's face and say, it's because you don't have strong enough faith. See, these these arguments are foolish. And we live in a religious environment, no matter where you're at, where sometimes when people don't understand what God's doing, they blame it on you. The thing is, is that for each one of us, we have to walk by faith, trusting in God, not trusting in the evaluation of men. Now, this is important. Can faith alone heal or save you? Is what it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The Scriptures teach us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But is that text implying that the substance is earthly things? No, I don't believe that that's what it's implying. It's not saying that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Like, if you have a whole bunch of treasure down here, then you got a lot of faith. That's not what it means. It's talking about heavenly things. Things that are only God can give you. Are the things hoped for talking about health and wealth? Is that what they're talking about? No. It's, it's These things that James is teaching are from the first grade class book. Uh, James is teaching us the elementary things so that we'll understand the heavenly things. And look at this. What things do you really want? And I'm going to close with this. What things do you really, really want in life? Do you you want to have a big house or do you want to be one with God? Do Do you want to have a nice shiny car or do you want to have peace with God? The thing is, is that all things that pertain to life and godliness has been given to us by faith in Christ Jesus. And as we're in Him, as we live in Him and move in Him, we will find confidence and acceptance with God. Now, what would you give for to be accepted by God? Well, faith will do that. If you live by faith, God will receive you. And you'll be... One of these days you'll be welcomed into the presence of God Himself because you trusted and believed in God. And everything, as good as it is, and we're not saying that that we don't need food, we don't need shelter, that, that God knows this. And He supplies it in His grace and in His mercy. But isn't something that we did that we worked for it. We believed Him. That he was able to give it to us. And praise God, he is faithful. Well, thank you, brethren. I want to do some more thinking on the prayer of faith. And we will next time. Amen. Thank you. 
I think we're going to turn it around now so we'll all stand up here so we can see you and you can see us for the end. Very slight. Oh, hey, oh there's Brother Justin. Justin. Brother Justin. Justin Come on up. Let him get up here with us quickly and then we can do it. And then we won't have to do that again. If you don't mind, we can just say hi really quick with all of us here. <laughs> and then we'll switch over. Let him take over and preach. Holy brethren, I greet you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah! We've been raised to walk in newness of life. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That's praise God in the Hebrew tongue. Hallelujah! John said, he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And nobody was sad that that happened. There was a new heaven and a new earth. We're only dwelt righteousness. And I, John, saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem. Not the old Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem. Coming down from God out of heaven. Brethren, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. God, That's what God is preparing right now. He's preparing a bride. And the bride is preparing herself. Are you preparing yourselves, brethren? You're going to see this one day. One day soon. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. A great voice said that. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. This was like the apex of everything that God was doing on the earth considering men. Considering us, brethren, everything that God has done on this earth has all been culminated to this point when this great voice would say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people. And God Himself 
God Himself, God Himself shall be with them and be their God. See, right now we have the first fruits, don't we? Don't we? Right now we have the earnest of the Spirit. We have a foretaste of glory divine. We see through a glass darkly, as it were, but see, then we're going to see Him face to face. He's going to make His dwelling place with us. He's going to be with us. And God shall be with them and be their God, and God shall. God shall do this. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This is going to happen, brethren. It's going to happen very soon. This is going to happen. This is going to be your reality soon. That God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. All the former things. All the unpleasant things. All the things that hindered us. All the things that got in the way. When we tried to serve God, there was persecution there. When we got tried to speak for the Lord, there were gainsayers there. When we tried to do things for the Lord, we found that sometimes our bodies weren't just weren't able. Even though our desires were able, our bodies just sometimes just weren't able. But not there anymore. Those former things are going to be passed away. Every single hindrance is going to be taken out of the way. Every single inconvenience is going to be taken out of the way. Every single sickness and persecution and enemy, the enemy is going to be taken out of the way. All these things are going to be gone when God Himself shall be with them. This is, this is an exceeding great and precious promise and this thing is going to happen soon. These things are going to happen soon. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now aren't you looking forward to that? In a land where moth and rust doesn't corrupt and thieves don't break in and steal, He's going to make all things new. Yeah, and he said, he said unto me that to John, write, for these words are true and faithful. Amen. You can take these words to the bank, so to speak. This is a certain thing. See, God is, God has sworn by himself. It, it's not that, it's not that God needs to swear by himself. It's not that God ever needs to say, I am true and faithful. But see, because of the infirmity of man, God has sworn by Himself. He says, He says, right, for these words are true and faithful. True and faithful words are worth being written down. Amen? And He's written the true and faithful words down here for us to read, for us to hold into our hearts. You know, it says that in the Revelation, it says, blessed is he that readeth. That's what it says in the in the beginning of the book of Revelation here. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. See, The time is at hand and He's written these words to us and we're reading these words and we're hearing these words and we're keeping these words. He that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Right, for these words are true and faithful. 
And he said unto me, it is done. And one day, brethren, we're going to hear those words clear as day. It is done. It is finished. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. God had the first word in creation. God's going to have the last word in creation. God was the first person there concerning us. God's going to be the last concerning us. He's, he's from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. This is our God, brethren, we're talking about. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. All things. See, see now you've been given like a talent. Now you've been given just a little bit. You be faithful with what you've been given, brethren, and you'll inherit all things. He who overcomes will inherit all things. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. Freely. Amen. Brethren, I commit these things to you this morning. By the power of the Holy Spirit and by our Lord Jesus Christ, I adjure you, brethren, keep the faith. We're praying for you. We appreciate your fellowship with us. Keep pressing in. Keep looking to Jesus. Very soon, the enemy will be crushed under our feet. Very soon, we will inherit all things. Very soon, we will reign with Christ. Very soon. Very soon, brethren. Even so, Even so, come, Lord Jesus, our dear Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray for these brethren. We confess that our hearts are knit with them. Mm -hmm. We confess that our hearts are knit with the brethren all over the world. All of the brethren who are enduring persecution and trial and sickness and famine and pestilence. Lord, we're with them. We pray for them. We know that your eye is on the righteous. We know that very soon you will wipe away every tear from our eyes and that we will be with you forever, that you you yourself will be with us and be our God and we will go out no more. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, brethren, for being with us. And um, we're very, very glad to be with you today. Amen. And um, I'm assuming this is the end. Well, that's not the end, but it's the end of this service. (laughs) One of these days it will be the end. But we'll give it over to you.
Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Thank you, brethren. Yes. You know, one of these times um, we could um, have a maybe a small message or a large one from uh, Brother Obadiah. Or, that would be nice. Uh, or Brother David. Yeah, or one of the sisters. But we don't have any preference. We like the Word of God. <laughs> and we love it when it's preached. So, you know, you, you consider that. We, um, we're open to that. So, we love gospel preachers and preaching. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yes. All right. Amen. Goodbye. We love you. Amen.